When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and yes, I appreciate this is usually brought out on a Monday, but it's Sunday today. I thought, what's the point in bringing it out tomorrow when we're closer to the next game than we are the last one? So the value of what we're chatting about has probably been diminished as we're all looking forward to the Forest Encounter, which, by the way, is another Sky televised class. So I'm certainly looking forward to that. But on this podcast, we're talking about all things Reading. Now, this maybe sounds a little more polished than usual. And we did say that we would do every single podcast live during lockdown. But there's a reason why we're not. And if you're listening on Sunday, tonight on YouTube at 8pm in association with Cherry's Trust, we spend an hour with Jason Tyndall. You can also view it on Facebook and Twitter as well. And at 9pm, there is an aftermath show as well where we react to what he said. Also on YouTube on Wednesday, there's an interview with Kevin Bond and that was a really absorbing listen. And that was Tony, Neil Dawson and also Jeff Hayward who took part in that. The audio from JT and Kevin Bond will be released on the podcast. So if you only download these on your podcast app rather than get involved with all the YouTube stuff, don't worry, you will not miss a thing. But... If you do want a heads up and you want to watch tonight, Sunday that is, it's 8pm on YouTube. That's where you need to be. So that's the time when we would have usually recorded this podcast. However, we had to make way for the gaffer of AFC Bournemouth, didn't we? We are back to normal live podcasting next weekend though. So what's coming up today? So in this episode, I am joined by pod stalwart Jeff Hayward as we go over Cherry's 4-2 win at the weekend. The first half was turgid, it was poor. Second half, though, we were absolutely dreamy, a joy to watch, and I kind of wish the match went on for a little bit more because I wanted us to score 5, 6, 7, you name it. But 4-2, I'm happy with that. Cherries were temporarily top, but... Norwich pipped us to the post by 5pm with their 1-0 win over Middlesbrough. But alas, we're second, we're in the promotion spots and Jeff Hayward and I will go over the game chronologically and dissect it. And there's a lot to talk about. 
So you may have seen on our YouTube channel that uh, one of the new regular presenters is Mr Tom Jordan, who's doing some amazing work. And we're going to bring you an audio taster of the stuff you can see on YouTube. So straight after the game, he chatted to young Cherry Owen Tovey and they did their player ratings from the match against the Royals. So you can listen to that too. Plus, we will give you a taster of that JT interview. He He's very relaxed, he's calm, he answered all the questions, and it was a really good listen. Plus, we get the lowdown from Tom in advance to see what he thought of what JT had to say. But first, it's time for this. So I uncovered a really interesting stat, and it's not really a do you remember. This is a kind of trivia question that you're not really expected to know. So I fully appreciate you might want to Google this one, and if you do, fair play to you. In about 45 minutes' time, we'll be giving you the answer of the question, which I, I feel is is exciting for Bournemouth, really, because Dom Solanke, for AFC Bournemouth, we've never lost a match when he scored a goal. But his record extends to a long way back. So, of course, before then he played for Liverpool. And before that it was Chelsea. So, have a stab in the dark if you want. But feel free to Google this. When was the last time Dom Solanke played a competitive football match, scored, but then lost the game? It's it's mad. It's a mad stat. And the answer will be at the end of the show. 4-2 then against the Royals at Dean Court on Saturday. And there's only one person to bring in. So, Jeff Hayward is with me. Jeff, how are you? I'm pretty good, yeah. Nice Nice to score four goals in a half. It is, it is, very nice indeed. And Jeff, I've got to say the puns are all prepared and let's face it, when you face certain teams, they're extremely easy to write. Whenever we play Watford, for instance, you could say that we have stung them or they stung us. And when it's Reading, of course, you've got the Royal Association. And on Saturday, you could say that Reading were royally beaten as Cherries had taken the crown from Reading and we went to the top spot and we... We reigned supreme at the Vitality and whilst the Biscuit men enjoyed hobnobbing with the Premier League stars in the first 45 minutes, in the second half, they crumbled somewhat and Paulovic would have been left saying crumbs. Oh, that takes the Biscuit net in. (laughs) So anyway, 4-2 to Bournemouth and it's been a weekend where we've been able to smile. Yeah, which... um which I think it's always a risky game, the one after the international break. Um, Lerma's been coming back from Colombia and I, I, I think his his role in the team's success is quite pivotal. So, you know, you're never quite sure how jet-lagged he is. And we had Mepham and Brooks both coming back from Wales duty. Again, you know, three games in a, in a week, although I know Brooks didn't play you know, a, a whole lot of those games. But Mepham, Mepham put in a couple of shifts in those games. So, you know, it was going to be interesting to see which team he selected and then how they actually performed in that first half, whether it be a slow start or would we be at them? 
Well, we're all used to slow starts, but when you look at the team that was announced at half past 11, it was a team that I think most of us would have been happy with. Four at the back that many Cherries fans have been clamouring for, and we had Asmir Begovic in goal, Steve Cook replacing Mepham, of course, who's been involved, as you alluded to, with Wales plentifully. He had Lloyd Kelly alongside him, Stacey and Rico were the wide defenders, Lerma and Lewis in the middle. And Billing, not even in the squad, really interesting. We'd love to get your thoughts on that. But of course, we had the dynamic foursome up front in terms of Dan Juma, Stanislas Brooks and Solanke. So when you saw that team lineup at half 11, were you happy? Well, for there were several things about it. 4-4-2, which worked really well against Birmingham City. So delighted he stuck with that. Delightedly stuck with the same team. I mean, we didn't have any of those rotational issues with having a midweek game and then the, the weekend game. So I think it was easy for him to re- pretty much stick to that side, particularly with King being off with uh, COVID-19. I hope he gets better. Um, but also, I think the only the only sort of slight um, issue was around Rico playing left-back, leaving Mepham on the bench. I think it was because of the Welsh sort of... Um, the Welsh games that he'd had, he probably felt he could rest him and play Rico on that on that left hand side. But yeah, looked looked like it was going to be an attacking team and, and we'd be taking the game to Reading. Most of us assumed that Lerma would be out, so we were thinking who's going to be alongside him? Is it going to be Gosling? Is it going to be Billing? But yeah, Billing wasn't even in the squad. I don't know if there's any explanation. I've heard no explanation, but if I was Philip Billing, I'd be talking to my agent about where I'm going to play next. Mm. Rumours have it that that was part of the reason why he was excluded for tactical reasons in the first place, Jeff. But uh, we won't go into that too much. Whether that's true or not, we're not too sure. So, yeah, four four two that became a four two three one during most parts when we were on the attack. But, yeah, four at the back, it's a, it's a formation, four at the back, that a lot of fans have been clamouring for rather than the three. But we didn't start off particularly well. And surely to God... That shows that formations are all well and good, but you need players to do the basics right. We've said this before, we'll probably say it again, but in the first half, a number of players weren't particularly at the races. And I think credit does go to Reading in terms of the fact that they outthought us because they were quality. But in the second half, we had a lot better quality, more desire, more clinical, and we've turned it around better than I've ever seen us do in a match before. I mean, we did it in that Leicester match, of course, last season, but we were handed it in many ways with Kasper Schmeichel mishandling a deflected junior Stanislas strike, them going down to 10 men. But this time, we really earned it. But the match started and then three minutes in, Jeff, 1-0 down. Unbelievable. Talk us through it. Yeah, it was it was sloppy, really, and 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 I think that that sort of characterises a lot of our first halves this season. I didn't think we were as bad in this first half as we have been in previous games. I mean, we were we've we've had particular shockers uh, this season in the first half, but we were just a little bit off the pace and lacking that little bit of edge and desire. And we've talked about it before, a bit of intensity. And I, I think that was that was really part of the the problem with that that first goal, um, where Samada sort of picks the ball up, looks like, you know, he's gotta beat he's gotta beat two players and the goalie, and does it with a, a quite considerable ease. Lewis Cook didn't really 
do his job. Steve Cook didn't do his job because he had very little space to to move down there. And then Begovic didn't do his job. And Rico <laughs> didn't do his job either because he, he left it to Begovic. So there were four players at fault for that one goal. And I think everyone thought that he was going to run it out of play, but he didn't. He kept it in and it, it was a definite penalty, wasn't it? And Jao stepped up. Begovic was close to it, but not close enough. And it was 1-0 to Reading. And I said on the free-for-all, it would be interesting to see what Reading will do when they've got the lead because they themselves compared themselves to us on one of the previews that Tom Jordan did with them. They said, you're very similar to how we play. Apart from when we're at St Andrews, of course, we know what we do. We score a goal, then another goal, then another goal. But elsewhere this season, we haven't quite done that and capitalised on the lead. And a lot of our victories have been by very slim margins. So by that point, I'm wondering, are they going to sit back? Are they going to soak up possession? Or are they going to try to get us on the counter? And it then turned into a very interesting game of chess. I can probably say that now after we've emerged 4-2 winners and feeling good about it. But it was an absorbing first half when I look back. Because, like you say, we weren't bad, bad, were we? No, we were We were playing the occasional really, really nice bit of football. Um we were playing with a with more um, pace. It was it was less sideways and backwards. I mean, there was there was a bit of sideways and backwards, but we actually we actually looked to be creating more space. Certainly down the flanks, I thought Danjuma looked uh, threatening. There was one lovely bit where he beat two players, got inside the box, you know, and the, and his shot hit one of the Reading defenders. That was nice. Brooks did a nice bit of play where he. He got some space in the box uh, and had a decent effort, but it was on his right foot. There, there was, there were, there were decent moments, but we did look a little bit vulnerable. I mean, Reading were well organised. I thought their their back four were looked looked very good in protecting the goalkeeper. Uh, their midfield were working really hard. I was really impressed with uh, was it Laurent, the midfield player. I thought he had a really good game in 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 that midfield. And when they did break us up. They they looked to get on the front foot and attack us quite quickly and um, yeah we we again we just we just lacked that little bit of desire for their second goal I I felt you know giving the ball up a little bit too easily in a dangerous position. So Graham Jones we know is an advocate of playing three at the back and I didn't actually realise but he sits in the stands for the first ten minutes of the game so he was sat alongside Big Fletch and I think he would have been horrified at how easy it was for Reading to take the lead, albeit via a penalty, but the way that Semedo strolled through. But there were warning signs. Even on 12 minutes, we had Semedo with a mistimed header and he put it wide. Should have done better with that. But even the early stage of the game, I'm thinking, no wonder Reading are where they are. Because you've seen the stats. They don't have many shots, but they score with most of the shots they do have. Compare that to us. We've had a ridiculous amount of shots, but our conversion rate is so, so poor. And it really worried me because throughout that first half, there were little passages of play whereby it was like a hot knife through butter. And they had numerous chances. Thankfully, they didn't take them all. I mean, obviously, later in the one and a half, they did. But it felt like we were almost riding our luck at times. We were. I thought Jao, the, the big centre-forward, was giving Steve Cook a bit of a tough time and he looked like he had good feet. Aluko, I thought, looked looked pretty good as well. And, um, yeah, they they were... I think they 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 looked at our defence and thought that, that our left-hand side was probably vulnerable. And, you know, I don't want to pick out Rico again, but there was a lot of the attacking was going down, 
down his side, particularly Luco, and they could have been a couple of goals up by the time they did score that second goal, whereas that Brooks effort was the only shot we had. And can I also say, set pieces, what's happened to us? Oh, well, it was weird because, you know, I said on a podcast under the end of Eddie Howe's read, even halfway through the season, in fact, we, we always used to do these corners with lots of different short corners and different routines and number of set pieces, lots of drills from the training ground. Sometimes they came off, sometimes they didn't. But then all of a sudden under Eddie, we didn't do it for ages. And then we hadn't under J2 so far. But then today under against Reading, it was like every single one was a set piece, but the delivery was just shocking. The one that sticks in my mind was that Jack Stacey cross after a short Stanislas corner that went straight into the arms of the keeper. It's nice to have variation. I'm sure they did it to pull the Reading defenders out and create more space in the box. But when you've got delivery that bad, it doesn't matter what you do. And unfortunately, it was an absolute shocker. And throughout the first half, I was just watching these moments and you could almost see the mistakes before they happened. You could see where certain players are going to lose the ball and then they did cue rolling of the eyes it was terrible and on 42 minutes well it got more terrible because Dom Solanke he lost the ball in the middle of the park and Reading were fantastic with the way they picked up the ball and recycling it and it's a Jaria that fed Aluko and then Rico was found wanting nowhere near him great finish Begovic had no chance but 2-0 to Reading at that point I had my head in my hands there was there was one word that came to mind Sam you'll like it clinicality yeah. <laughs> yeah, clinicality, great word, and that's what Reading have got. Yeah, it was a terrific finish. I thought Rico was out of position, uh, didn't track the runner, which it, 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 it was just poor. And, but it but started before then. I think we just coughed up the ball a bit too easily to them in midfield. And whereas we've done that in a few of these championship games, and the opposition haven't had that quality in midfield to hurt us, actually, you know, Reading, credit to them. They've got some decent players with with um, in the midfield, and they can see a pass, and they look dangerous. So two uh, 0 did not flatter them. I thought at half time. Do you reckon this is the reason why Jason wanted three at the back? Because say what you like about that formation, we tend to get caught less with those kind of counter attacks and those kind of goals when you do have three at the back. Well, it puts a lot of pressure, I think, on Lewis Cook to have a really good game. You know, a really good ninety minutes and. And I think there were a couple of times where in that first half, he just wasn't quite there on the top of his game. And, you know, maybe Lerma was a bit jet-lagged and wasn't helping him out as much. Maybe he didn't have the legs as much in that first half. And, and it just it just wasn't working for us. And I do think when you play that formation and you've got Stanislas Brooks and Dan Juma playing, you know, you're not getting a lot of defensive cover there, are you? So it puts a lot of emphasis on the back four and those two midfield players to work their socks off, and we didn't really do that. Stanislas had a free kick in the closing stages of the half, which he was on target, Neil Dawson, so if you're listening, uh, that's a positive, isn't it? But 2-0 down, and I said on the free-for-all, it's the worst feeling after an international break where we've been watching England and we don't really care about whether they win or lose, and you've been really looking forward to a game so much... And then we're that poor, and especially an early kickoff as well, earlier in the day. There's more time to dwell over it at the weekend. So it needed the team talk of, well, not Jason Tindall's life. I think that's over it somewhat, but we needed a good team talk. And 
we needed some changes to happen, perhaps. And he did make them. And that was to bring Chris Meppham on, who played a lot of international football during the couple of weeks. And then Rico succumbed. And it was Kelly that moved over to left back, where he's played previously, of course. So he's got experience there. So it was going to be... Well, it was one of the less convincing substitutions that Jason could have made. You'd think he'd bring on a midfield or maybe an attacker, but possibly what he did, it worked. It did. You know, we used to criticise Eddie a lot for bringing on defenders at half-time or 60 minutes, didn't we? So um, I, I, was, um, I was impressed with the way that that transition obviously made a difference. I think the the interesting thing in in that first half watching the game, I'm not sure about you, but even at 2-0 down, I felt that we still had a chance. And that's what's different about playing in the championship this season. Because we've got such a, a, a great forward line, we're never out of games. Even at 2-0 down, I thought, you know what, if we do get, get back into this, we've got a chance still. And when, um, when Kelly puts that ball in, um, I mean just like it it sort of it it made us feel that belief you know that we could go on and win it and I, I i didn't think the game was in doubt actually when we got the first it was we're on for this we can do this and and we did but yeah it was um it was quite an interesting change for him to make i guess he probably thought we had enough attackers on in the first place yeah i think you're right and I think no, I was going to say maybe just Kelly's extra energy and a bit more defensive solidity on that left-hand side could do the trick, and so it proved. Well, it was a really good goal, and there were numerous aspects of it I thought were great. Great bit of football in the midfield. Lewis Kirk, he turned, he drove forward, he laid the ball to the left to Kelly. Dan Juma, underrated role. He dummied it, and he's the kind of player that is selfish, not in a bad way, but you have to be as an attacker. So it's natural to want to get on the ball to influence it. But he left it for Kelly. Did this not remind you? I said this on the free-for-all again. I'm sorry to keep harping back to it. But Charlie Daniels against Norwich, our 3-0 victory at home when Benekafobe scored. And that made it thrill. Exactly the same position. Lloyd Kelly, excellent delivery. Pacey, whipped, low, behind the defenders. And it meant that the striker who was on running didn't have to do much. No time to think, just needed to get something on it. And then the power was just deflected onto the ball, into the back of the net. And it just shows what a good delivery can do. JT surely has got to be what's happened that clip to Rico and telling him to watch it a thousand million times before he goes to bed tonight, eh? <laughs> well, so many times this season, we get the ball in that position and we turn back and we don't cross the ball. And I think... It's what we've been talking about a lot. You know, we've got to be we've got to be braver because defenses in the championship are vulnerable to that kind of that kind of ball. It's it's it it reminded me it's a kind of classic sort of um, it's a classic goal that you can you can score against weaker defenses. You know, if that's that's why it's so important to stop those crosses coming in, which happens a lot in the Premier League, and you don't get those opportunities. But Kelly whipped it in brilliant pace on the ball and we only had to touch it to score at Solanke. It did the job. Brilliant. And like you say at that point, you felt as though we were in a good position to get back into it. And it's a fact that I've brought up before. When Dom Solanke scores, Bournemouth never lose. 
And in fact, that's been the case in his career since 2015 in Chelsea under-23s. So this stat applies for Liverpool, for Chelsea's first team and Vitesse Arnhem. I think twice in his career has he scored and his team have lost. So read into that what you will. But what a good goal it was. And the momentum was clearly with Bournemouth. And what, two, three minutes later? Superb. With David Brooks on the ball. It's akin to the pass that Stanislas made for Dan Juma's goal against Birmingham, where he just plays it between the right back and the central defender. And Brooks did it with his other foot. And if there's a player you want in that position, albeit it wasn't him, you know, opening up his body and then slide ruling it into the side corner, like he always does into the side netting. He did the keeper at the near post with his left foot and cracking goal, two all, never in doubt. Never in doubt. I thought I thought that pass was beautiful. Um, great pace on it. The run was great from Dan Juma. You know, he timed it perfectly on the on the shoulder of that fullback. And yeah, you know, a near post finish. Which the great thing about Arnie, left foot, right foot, he can score yeah. goal, and and it gives us so many great attacking options. You know, when he's mm. through like that, you do think he's going to score. He's going to score, and uh, I thought it was terrific, terrific to be two to totally knock them off their off their pace because yeah. the two goals came so quickly. And you're talking about players being, uh, I don't know, can you use ambidextrous with the feet, Jeff? Is that, is that a thing? Is that... Well, anyway, let's just go with that. I'll, if you know the word, let us know. But in the first half, I was thinking back to a chance that David Brooks had where he cut in and I just thought, if he just had a right foot, he could have a shot here. And he, he didn't and he tried to lay it off to someone else. But then literally 30 seconds later in the same passage of play, it fell to him and he did have a shot with his right foot, but I'd like to see him use both feet a little bit more. But, but Dan Juma is certainly a player that can do that. And anyway, at two all, I think our tails were up, but Reading, to their credit, they hung in there and they held their own and they still looked fairly dangerous whenever they had the ball. Yeah, they, they're they a very physical side. And like I say, they were, they were good on the ball and they had some decent players. I mean, it it was still, it was still in the balance a little bit at two, two and, and, and I think the the third goal. I mean, it, yeah, the ball the ball comes to Lewis Cook, and I'm holding my hand up here. I was screaming at the telly, <laughs> "Don't shoot, Lewis!" Because whenever he shoots, no. he never scores. I mean, you know, when you're looking at players who you think should shoot from that type of range, or I mean, there's not many you can name, even back through the years of AFC Bournemouth, even when Pittman was in that position against Burton Albion when we won 1-0, he was miles out, ridiculous position. And you're thinking at that point, don't shoot from there. That's what I was thinking for Lewis Kirk. And, you know, like Brett Pittman's, it went in. And by the way, congratulations to Brett Pittman, who scored again for Swindon on Saturday. But yeah, it came to Lewis Kirk. He took a touch. And I must admit, after the split second when he took the shot, it looked like it was ballooning over, as many of his shots have. But then he got this swerve and this dip and, you know, explain how you felt when you saw that hit the back of the net via the touch off the crossbar, Jeff. Oh, it's terrific, terrific goal. I mean, the the dip he got on that was absolutely insane. 
the keeper had absolutely no chance and to, absolutely t- terrific, terrific goal. Um, and the way he celebrated, I don't think even Lewis Cook expected it to go in, but it, it was it was fantastic. And it, I was so pleased for him because that's a long time he's played for us without scoring. Um, but that hopefully will give him confidence. Hit it like that, Lewis, you'll score plenty this yeah. season. Now, just beforehand on the commentary on Sky Sports, they were saying that Rodrigo Raquelme is getting ready to come on. And then 30 seconds later, we score to make it 3-2. And I was obviously jubilant. My heart rate was up. I actually got lightheaded when I jumped off the sofa because I think I got up too quickly. So nearly fainted at that point. 3-2. But then I composed myself, I sat down, and then I realised, oh, Roro's on. I honestly thought that substitution would not happen. Maybe that's what sets JT apart from Eddie Howe, maybe. Because you know what we would do under Eddie at 3-2? We would chuck Jack Simpson on straight away, albeit he did come on the pitch later on. I think that was also for fitness reasons too. But it would be easy to chuck on a defender, chuck on a Dan Gosling and just try to shore up the midfield. But it's clear that... The way JT wants to win games is by outscoring the opposition. And clearly for him, attack is the best form of defence. Yeah, and and it, it was refreshing to see. I think we we um, we saw a lot of that, particularly in the Premier League, where you've got to sort of hold on to those results and you win a lot of games by the odd goal. And it, it, it is a negative way to play. Um, brave of JT, I mean... It was high risk because it could all have gone a pear shaped if uh, if Asmir hadn't pulled off an amazing save. Mm. Yeah, and I didn't realise that GDS, the goal decision system, is active in the championship. So that's something new that I've learned. And at the time, I thought, my goodness me, that's gone in, but no, it hadn't. And then moments later, a goalkeeping calamity—you can call it—defensive mistakes from the Royals and. Just talk us through what happened because it seemed to be an eternity between the keeper making the mistake and then the ball hitting the back of the net. Yeah, I love those goals. I love it when the goalie messes up like that. Because mm. actually, that's why you're the goalie. And we've had loads of, we've had loads of goalies who think they can play, right? Mm. And particularly um, this guy. I mean, the previous game against Stoke, Raphael had done exactly the same thing. He completely messed up. So... We obviously were pressing him quite high. We pressed him quite high from the, the, the first minute and and it was lovely to see it pay off. I mean, he just he just hits the ball. Uh, well, he, he tried to pass it out and hit it straight at Dom and then, yeah. and, then, and then tried to bring him down and failed at that as well when he realised he'd lost the ball. And the, the centre-half is standing there watching this, like, <laughs> what are you doing? And... Just beautiful, and, and it was great to see Dom finish it because because uh, he gets a bit of criticism, doesn't he, for his finishing? Well, uh, I've heard that he does. I mean, I don't I don't know personally, but um, what it does, it shows persistence. It showed strength, tenacity. He could have laid it off to Roro Raquelme, who was probably screaming for the ball alongside him and possibly had a better chance. But you know what? I'm glad he took it on because. He needs that goal and he needs the confidence and he's a confidence player. He just scored a brilliant goal earlier on to put us in contention back in the game again. 
And this goal was fantastic to see. He actually didn't put it where I thought he would. He put it to the left of the defender. I thought he was going to bend it round. But to see it hit the back of the net, absolutely delighted with that. 4-2, the game, it was never in doubt, was it? No, never in doubt. Total joy. I mean, if Dom's going to get the 30 goals that we've predicted for him this season, sorry, I've predicted for him this season, I won't put right. you on that one, Sam, then he needs to score goals like that. But I was, I was thrilled to see that. And... Just generally, I thought the the team sort of bucked up their ideas. As uh, as those who saw David Brooks interviewed after the game will will know, they got ahead of a book at half time, didn't they? Yeah. So after the game, I asked for some five word match reports on Twitter. So we're going to go through a few of them. Jeff Tommy Heffernan's poodle said, "From lady to absolutely sensational." Patrick Devitt said. Ripe cherries rip apart Reading. Steve Hensman, vastly improved second half display. Lewis Cook, take a bow. Uh, James says, Roro regrets move to Reading. Lewis Cook, round of applause. Um, Ashley, a game of two halves. Richard Neal, Begovic, from zero to hero. Shiv Mika, second half sends us top. Tim Spencer, shit then amazing. Fucking Bournemouth, he says. Solanke finding his feet finally, said Heather. The second half, Jason Tyndall masterclass. What a first goal for Lewis Cook. Uh, together, anything is possible. Plus Cook, said Rowan. Rowan, hope you're well. It was never in doubt, said Paul Kenwood. Masterclass from Tyndall, said Eric Buggy. And it goes on. You can see all those on our Twitter. Just scroll down to our five-word match report tweet and you can have a look through them. So... How much should Jason Tyndall take credit for this, Jeff? Well, I'd like to know what he's saying to them before the game. Because can we just play second halves, please? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's that level of performance that he's got to get consistent. Yeah. You know, we've got to be sharper in those first sort of 10, 15 minutes. And we, we've, we've done that occasionally. I mean, we did that at Coventry. We played really well from the off against Coventry. Um, so... I think I think that's what he's got to be striving for, um, and good decision to change things around slightly at half time. It it worked. We looked better. We won the game. Move on, Forest. Here we come. Oh, I don't know what time I'll be going to bed that night. Hopefully, it will be with a smile on my face. At least having seen Bournemouth romp to victory, but Harry Arter versus Jefferson Lerma in midfield, Jeff, that could be tasty. It's going to be. Very interesting to see what happens. There's going to be some preview content on that on our YouTube channel, so do subscribe if you want more of that. But until then, Jeff, thank you very much for being on once again. Thanks for having me, sir. Great, great to great to chat. Great to hear from Jeff Hayward there. And whilst we would usually do a bit of a forest preview, I think the value is lost because the I mean the turnaround time is pretty quick. By the time this podcast is out a few days, the Forest game will have been gone. So there's no preview, but on YouTube, I encourage you to go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast and have a listen to that. So player ratings. Tom Jordan is going to be doing this one and he's joined by Owen Tovey to go over that win at the Vitality Stadium. Oh, and breathe. It was a 
roller coaster that turned out to be rather delightful in the end after a really sloppy first half. We were 2 0 down to top the league and it didn't look good, but the gaffer got into him at half time and things changed in the second half and our quality prevailed in the end. So, you know, all happy by the end. Obviously, things to work on. It was it was a game that we were brilliant in the second half, but but really blow part in the first, which we probably said quite a lot of already this season. But all positive, we got the win, four goals, couple for Dom, all good. And on to the ratings, and we've got a guest with us today, and you might all know Kirk Tovey from the Free For Alls and on the AFCB podcast a lot, but I've gone one better, because I've got his son Owen on with me today. You alright, Owen? Do you enjoy the game, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, it was a very good game. Got there in the end, didn't we, mate? Yeah. Oh, yeah it was difficult. Um, I'll, st- I'll let you start, and we'll get on to, obviously, the keeper. Asmir Begovic, what did you rate of Begovic's performance today? Because he didn't have, apart from the goals, obviously he did give away the penalty um, and then he made one brilliant save in the second half that I remember. But what did you think about Begovic's performance? Um, I think that he was all right. He conceded the two goals and, like you said, gave away the pen at the start. But other than that, he was actually like quite decent and then made the good save at 3-2. Uh, pretty much just had a good average game, to be honest. I yeah. gave him a 7. Uh, yeah, then. I think that's fair, mate. Yeah, I think that's fair. I agree with you on that. We'll give Begovic a seven. Like you say, he did give away the penalty, which was a little bit, you know, it wasn't all his fault. Defence probably should have done better in front of him. But um, I thought he was, he made that one save in the second half. So all in all, pretty standard. And then we'll go into, well, obviously it was the back four this time that he kept with. And just to find his name, on the right-hand side was Jack Stacey against his former club. What did you make of uh, Stacey at right-back? Um, he, like again, he had a good, decent uh, game. He made some good runs down the line with Brooks, sometimes with Stanislas when he came wide. Um, his crossing was a bit off today, could have done a little bit better and kept, uh, kind of, most of the game kept the le- their left winger out of the game. Yeah, and I gave, that, So I gave him a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Jack's had better games. But having said that, he wasn't poor. I think he rarely is. And he did take a, a bit of a knock in that first half, which I wonder potentially would have affected him a little bit. He did take a bit of a bruise in the first half. Um, Centre-halves, one of them are captain back. Steve Cook, what did you make of Cookie at the back today? Um, uh, poor, Very poor for the first goal. I, th- I kind of think that maybe um, uh, Sheffield Wednesday game just went through him. Uh, so he put in the no challenge. Uh, but he kept us motivated because, uh, as a captain and then we fought through to go and win the game. So I gave him a 7 out of 10. Yeah, once again, I'd, I'd probably agree with you there, mate. It was, um, like you say, for the first goal, I, I wasn't impressed with Cookie. Normally, I would back him to get rid of that, to be fair. And I think it was probably just as much his fault as it was Begovic, yeah. to be honest. But um, like you say, he always shows them leadership qualities and, and still done a job. What about his partner, who actually, quite interesting one, Lloyd Kelly, because obviously first half, he was next to Cookie, but in the second half he went to left back and he got a good good assist in for Dom's goal. What did you make of Lloyd? Um, so he kind of looks very shaky at the start. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, in the first half. Mm. Um, but then when he in the second half when he moved to left back, he just looked so much more comfortable and better. He got the good assist. But yeah. Um, so when it in the first half with Steve Cook, he just didn't seem. He felt too slow, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I gave him a 7 out of 10 because he got himself back from the second half. Yeah, I think that's fair because, like you say, he definitely improved in the second half. And it's something I thought Jason might might do at some point this season because, obviously, Mepham's a good player who will come on to. And, obviously, Steve Cook's always going to be in there. And I thought Lloyd Kelly, you know, naturally, when he was at Bristol City, he was playing left-back a lot. And I think he plays there for the England under-21s quite a bit. And I think we saw in the second half he can be a good option there. And I wonder if that 
we might go like that on Tuesday potentially. We'll see because he was better there today, I thought. This is going to be an interesting one, mate. Pulled off at half-time, Diego Rico. I think he's been good for us this season when he's played, but it wasn't a good one today, was it? No, uh, he was very, just very poor tackling, especially in the first 25. He just was going in for random challenges, kind of just, he kind of just wasn't really thinking about it, to be honest. And he was at fault for the second goal, so he was subbed off. And, um, which, ugh. <laughs> um, so for the second goal, he got subbed off at half time, so he was very poor, though. So I gave him a four out of ten. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you know, it's like I say, I quite like Diego, but it just was one of them games for him. He, like you said, I can believe he got away with not getting a yellow card because I counted about at least three poor tackles. Yeah. Then when he got the ball, he just seemed to lump it forward without much thought. Then, like you say, he lost the marker for the goal. He was just having one of them arse. But fair play to, to Jason. He just went, you know what, you're not, you're having one of them games, mate, and just pulled him off. And I think he'll recover from that. He's recovered from bad performances when he first came here, but... um. Yeah, bad one for Diego. Uh, Jefferson Lerma, one of the man, men in the middle today. I was surprised he started, actually, being away. Um, bit rusty at times, maybe, but I love Jeff. So what did you think of him? Uh, he, he just pro- provided his standard like he does every week when he plays. Uh, maybe he put in a few kind of rough challenges, but overall he was just a, a good player in midfield that we always have each week. So I really I gave him a seven. Yeah, yeah, no, I reiterate everything you said there. It wasn't like a, one of his unbelievable performances, but he never lets you down. And I think you said it then. It was just kind of a, a standard Jefferson Lambert performance. Just comes in, puts a shift in, makes some good tackles, burst forward, all heart. And yeah, I'm always pleased with Jeff. But what about his partner? He finally got his first goal for the club. I was absolutely chuffed for him. And I mean, if you're going to wait that long for a goal, at least pull out a rocket like that. What a strike. But in general, be interested to see what you thought. I thought Lewis was, was superb today. Yeah, it's just what uh played even better than Lerma, so that's mm. just proving that we've got a good midfield. Uh, so then there's other players on the bench struggling to get into that team. Yeah. Uh, best player on the pitch, pretty much the entire game. Um, his passing and aggression and the goal were just all amazing. Kept up on top, didn't stop running, and I gave him a nine out of ten. Yeah, definitely, mate. Hundred percent agree. I think I said it. Um, whenever I think it was after the Birmingham game. I said that I just feel like with Lewis at the moment, we're just getting, he's getting better and better with every performance. It's like he's had them injury problems, but the more and more he's playing, I think you just, you're seeing more what we know he can bring. So I was absolutely chuffed for him today. Um, probably player that played just in front of them for the majority was Junior Stanislas. Um, had a decent attempt in the first half with a free kick, but what did you make with Junior on the whole? Um, his passing was a little bit off. It seemed like he kind of drifted into David Brooks's area a little bit. Um, quite often, like I said, uh, he's made a few good passes with Jack Stacey. Had the good chance of the free kick. Just, uh, just overall, pretty much average. And then came off near the end. So I gave him a six out of ten. Yeah, I think I, I would have probably said six or seven to be fair. I think we know what quality Junior has, and he works hard. But um, sometimes I feel like he kind of he's really hot and cold in games. Sometimes Especially... he can go missing. Yeah, go on. Especially with those uh, injuries that he's been had uh, in yeah, the past definitely. few times. Yeah, it probably potentially makes him struggle to be full pelt for 90 minutes. But yeah, sometimes I think, oh, I haven't seen Junior for 20 minutes. Do you know what I mean? He, he seems to, to hide a little bit, but you know he can provide a bit of magic if you need him to. Um, but one that provided, I think, this uh, Brooksy got man of the match on the telly, actually, on, on Sky. Um but yeah, great to see Brooksy playing. I think he, he managed to nearly get 90 minutes as well. He he played for the majority right to the end. And 
It's great to have him back, isn't it? What did you think of Brooksy on that? Um, he, yeah, he was just a great player. He picked, he most of the time I'd like pickpocketed spe- space and you just see him yeah. by himself. Made quite a few good passes. So, there's a few in the first half through through the defence to Solanke. We just couldn't convert in the first half. But um, yeah, just like he, his defender was not on him at all. Mm. So like he's, uh, so I gave him a seven out of ten. Yeah, that's fair. I think I, I think I might have even be tempted with with an eight for Brooksy because I thought he really come into it in the second half. But yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. He's, he picks up space and pockets so well, and he's such a hard player to mark. He's so clever, and when he can get up to full fitness as well, I think he's going to take everyone on in this league. So uh, looking forward to seeing more from him. Another goal for Arnie Dan Juma, and once again provides that bit of mag- magic when you need him to. What did you think of Arnie's performance? Um. Uh, a little bit sloppy in the first half, trying mm. to get past the defender. But then once when, once he starts getting his rhythm going, he's just skillful. Got the goal, and then one of the be- uh, one of the biggest threats, especially when uh, he when he's thrown goal. So I yeah, gave him, an, yeah, I gave him an eight out of ten. Yeah, I think that's fair. He got his goal as well, and like you say, that's probably the bit with Ali. Sometimes it can be a bit frustrating because you think, oh, why well, are you trying to nutmeg there or? What you're doing, you know, trying too many flicks and tricks sometimes. But then, you know, when he's just a bit more direct, just runs at his full back and just take, he's, he can be classy at times. And he keeps getting getting the numbers at the end of the day. He keeps just putting out a goal. And, you and you know, fair play to him. Another goal for him. And I just, I do love what Arnie's bringing at the moment. And just trying to find the main man, your dad's favourite, the goal <laughs> machine himself, Dom Solanke. Absolutely. I don't know what you feel. I was absolutely buzzing for him because... I don't know what your thoughts are on the whole as well from Dom, because I've been someone that just, I love Dom because I think he provides so much, but I can't argue with the fact he's a striker that's not scoring enough goals. So I was so pleased that he got a couple today. What did you make of Dom? Uh, Yeah, he's a very, very solid player. He was a little bit sloppy in the first half. Then Tyndall probably gave him a little bit of a battering in the, the change rooms on after 55 minutes he just he found his rhythm got he got then he got the two goals uh he had his confidence when when we were on the attack in front so getting the two goals obviously lifted him now he's probably more confident in front of goal and i gave him a nine out of ten yeah yeah fair enough and yeah like you say it's all about now hopefully that'll spark a bit of confidence in dom and we can see if we even get on a little run, just get a couple more goals in the next few games, then then we're laughing because he brings a lot more to the team. We just need to add a few more goals. Um, obviously, half-time, like we said, he took uh, Rico off. He moved Kelly to left-back and Meps come in at centre-half. And to be fair, no one's going to really talk about Meps because obviously it was an attacking change in the second half. You know, we, we obviously scored four goals. It was all about our offensive play. But to be fair, when we made that change, it seemed to help an awful lot. So I think Meps deserves a bit of credit. What do you think? Uh, yeah, like I said, like in the first ten fifteen minutes of the fir- of the second half, sorry, we d- like we still kind of were on the back foot. So Mepham, he kept himself solid, and um, he ha- made some good tackles. But then, like you said, after we got on the front foot, he we didn't really see much of him. So I give him a seven out of ten. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like you say, it was more of an, an offensive performance of that second half. But he provided that balance, I guess, and having him as an option to come on, and that allowed us to move. Kelly over to left back, so that's a great option to have. Just looking through because it's a nightmare now because we don't know how many subs you're allowed to make. It's bloody loads now. Um, so I'm trying to think of else. Come on, uh, Roro, come on. Um, like I, said, I can't, I can't remember exactly. I think he come on literally straight after a goal, didn't he? Um, yeah. For Junior, and he obviously, you know, it was nice for him to come on against Reading. But um, what do you think of Roro? Because I think he he keeps getting little cameo appearances, but we're not seeing an awful lot of him because he's not getting a lot of time. 
Oh yeah, no. Uh, he's still he's he was uh great. Uh, he was okay during like when he came on in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a few chances, maybe uh, making a few one twos, but just not really coming off after we got the third goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I gave him a six out of ten. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, mate. And to to be honest, I think the others was um we brought on Nambi off the ball, didn't we? And and Jack Simpson, but it was literally right at the end, waste a bit of time, put some fresh legs on, but. I can't even really remember him ever touching the ball, so it'd probably be unfair to give them a rating. But I think we should give the gaffer one, Jason Tindall. Um, be interested to see what you think. I think it's from my perspective. I don't really know what what more people want. He put out a team, played the four at the back, played the system that that people you know want to see, um, played the team that most people you know see if you you agree. But the team that most people wanted to see, and then half time Rico was the worst player, so he took him off. And we ended up getting four goals and winning the game. So I don't know what more Jason could do. But what, what did you make of the team selection and the changes as a whole? Um, I thought it was decent going four at the back. We haven't really seen it as much this season going three at the back. Um, but the sidings making the four and then at half time, two nil down, uh, taking off Rico, it kind of changed the game because we got more momentum going. So it's obviously I like, had a talk with them in the change rooms. So yeah. I gave him, uh, I'm going to give him an eight out of ten, maybe a seven. Yeah, well, I, I didn't hear that last bit. I'm going for an eight. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he deserves credit. Like you say, whatever he said at half time, you know, there's a, there's a case for. I definitely think that we're not just today. We're better in the second half of games, virtually all season. Um, so you can, you can say that's a positive because Jason's getting into him at half time, changing things. But equally, you can say why are they not going out like that? Um, I think there's probably a little bit of teams are, are pressing us quite high, making it hard, getting right into us, and then they're tiring, and our quality seems to be shining through. What do you think in terms of the, like we just mentioned there, about the system and the four at the back? We've obviously played a three at the back. What, what would you like to see going forward? And say for like Tuesday, obviously we don't know about fitness and stuff like that, but what would you change from today's lineup and system and that for Tuesday? Is there anything you would like to see different? Um, maybe we there's what there's opportunities to try both formations, the three mm. at the back and the four at the back. Maybe starting off with the three at the back with the Jack Stacy little injury that happened during the game, and yeah, then if true. it's not working out, you're able to move four at the back by bringing him on. So yeah, it's a good point. I think um, Jack's played a lot of football as well because he played in the cups as well, didn't he? So I think with Smithy kind of precautionary, I don't think he was really badly injured. I wouldn't be surprised if Smithy were to come in for Stacey. Um, and we've, I forget, we've still got people like Gosling who didn't even get on today, which is interesting. But um, we'll see how the likes of Lerma and Brooks and players that have been away on international duty, how they recover for Tuesday. But it should be an interesting one Tuesday, mate. Obviously, Harry Arter might play, Lewis Graben might play. I think they've got Lyle Taylor as well. Um, I think they lost in the end today. Um, so Forest haven't started great, so they'll be looking to make up for that. What's your, we'll go for an early prediction. What are you predicting for Tuesday night? I'm predicting a 2-1 win. 2-1 win. Dom 2? What do you think? Dom, not another brace? Um, I reckon Sam Sorridge is going to come on at the end and at Ooh. least get a goal. And maybe Dom might come on, uh, come on, sorry, at start and get, in, get an early goal. Yeah, no, hopefully we can, if we can back it up with another win. That would be great to see, mate. It would be, be awesome. And cheers for coming on, Owen. And uh, I think it's fair to say all fans watching prefer you to your dad anyway. So uh, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, we want to see more of you, mate. But thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Owen. Amazing stuff. Great to have some new fans on the show. Owen, thanks very much. You are absolutely brilliant. Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net.
So if you are listening to this on Sunday this evening on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter, 8pm, it is an evening with Jason Tyndall, an hour and then a live show straight afterwards at nine. Don't miss it. But if you're listening to this afterwards, don't worry, you can watch back on YouTube. Not a problem at all. And uh, we'd love to know what you have to say. And you know what? We had some fun during it. Now, it was organised by the Cherries Trust and Mark Dean, the chairperson, kindly invited us along. So I sent jo Tom Jordan in, actually, because he's the ultimate man to talk football with JT. And also Peter Ive, the treasurer of Cherries Trust, was in there as well. And whilst they were talking football formations and the complexities of the game and some quite pertinent questions as well, I must add, also... We did have a bit of fun as Tom reminisced over JT's early football career. I also uh, alluded to when you were playing and there's kind of younger fans and I've got a younger brother and things like that. And they asked me, what was um, what was Jason like as a player? Where did he play? Stuff like that. And I always say, but he was a good centre-half that was also a good centre-midfielder. I also remember playing up front quite a lot. Yeah. So where, where would you say was your position on a football pitch? Because I still don't know. You seem to play everywhere. Still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why it's it's a strange one because and and it happened even when I was a kid. Is is a kid coming through and my my younger time up until I was probably about I think thirteen years old. Uh, I was always a striker uh, and as a kid I I'd done well as a as a striker and uh, happened to to score a lot of goals. And then when I went through a, a growth spurt when I was a, a kid, it sort of almost uh, change the dynamics in my body and uh, I lost probably a yard or two yards of, of speed and, and then I ended up moving back into midfield uh, and then got quite settled as a centre midfielder and then we got a couple of injuries in, in defence and I ended up then filling in for a centre half and stayed there for a bit of time and then it sort of almost that almost is the way my, my career ended up going it was I'd play centre-half sort of five or six games and then maybe move into midfield and move as a striker. I, I preferred midfield if as a player because I think you're involved in the game a lot more uh, and that's what I enjoyed. Obviously, when I was younger, I enjoyed the striker because I liked scoring goals, but as I got older, I preferred midfield. We always remember your last performance anyway, Jason. So uh, that's all. Yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. If, if Adam Smith and Jack Stacey were to get some bad injuries, would we see you again at right back? <laughs> yeah, well, and punting one up the pitch for yeah. Mark Mosley to cut inside and score. Don't write yourself off. I think you should still be available if needed. I just hit it. I think we all were, Jason, weren't they? It was, it was a great pass. I just see the run out of corner of my eye and just pick them out. He had the easy bit that bit of dust that was going across there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love that. And that's a snippet that you can actually see on YouTube as a, and on Twitter as a, as a little preview piece. But I actually chatted to Tom after he ch had the uh, hour-long interview with JT and I asked him a few questions about, well, how was it? Was JT open? Let's find out. Yeah, it was, it was quite surreal, like you say. Um, there's not many, you know, fan channels are everywhere now, you know, for different clubs, but I don't know many, if any, that get to speak to the current manager. Do you know what I mean? It's... um. Mm. 
we've we've had the opportunity to obviously speak to ex players and ex staff and things like that. But to get the current manager, I think you know credit to JT, credit to Cherry's Trust, like you say. But um, yeah, Jason was 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 so nice to chat to. He made it, you know, at the end of the day, you're um, I've done a lot of these things with you now. But when you you're talking to the current manager, it is a little bit you know nervy in the sense that you know you don't want to say anything wrong. You know you want to keep that relationship up and you want them to think. That, you know you're you're a good fan and you're doing the right things for the football club but he made it so easy uh so easy to chat to and you could see straight away that he kind of felt like he was almost enjoying it and wanted to get i think with with obviously the situation at the moment with fans not being allowed in um and even though he's been at the club for a long time as soon as he's got manager he hadn't had any supporters in and i think he he was quite open about the fact that he wants to have that relationship with fans and, and keep that going because that's something that bournemouth have always had that community family feel to him so um yeah it was really enjoyable he's top bloke Amazing. Great stuff there from Tom Jordan. And that's 8pm on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Right then, I think it's time to wrap up the show. So, as you may have seen, AFC Bournemouth have released an official podcast. Superb stuff from them. There's a lot of people commenting on Twitter. Love you guys saying there's only one AFCB podcast. But I tell you what, it's a cracking listen. So, when you type in AFC Bournemouth now, it's not only us that will come up. It's also the official podcast as well. And I do recommend you actually do take a listen. It's going to be a monthly thing. And obviously, being AFC Bournemouth, they've got access to all their staff and their players. And I've I've thought for a long time, it's something that they really should do because there's a lot of stories that they can tell that we can't, that they don't tell. And I think the podcast is a great platform for that. So if you're uh, commuting into work, although you should be working at home, is that right? It doesn't feel like a lockdown, does it? Anyway, wherever you are, have a listen. Richard Hughes is on this week, and it's a really engaging listen. I've only heard a little bit, but I, um, I need to make time to hear all of it. But I do recommend that. So, start the show. Do you remember, we had a question. Dom Solanke, whenever he scores, his team never loses. Certainly hasn't happened for Bournemouth. Didn't happen for Liverpool. Um, he was on loan at Vitesse Arnhem. Didn't happen there. The Chelsea first team. So when was the last time it happened that Dom Solanke scored, yet his team lost? It was in the Premier League 2. Of course, this is just a stab in the dark. And if you did know this, fair play to you. However, it was in February. It was February the 9th, 2015. He was playing for Chelsea under-23s against Manchester United under-23s. He scored a right-footed shot on 54 minutes, but his team went on to lose 2-1. That's ridiculous. So ever since then, whenever he scored, his team never loses. You've got to say, his performance on Saturday was absolutely superb, and yeah, really hope he starts again against Nottingham Forest. What a player. He's... um. He's changing a lot of opinions, I'm absolutely certain on that. Anyway, I'm blabbing on. Make sure you stay abreast of all of our coverage across the social media channels and leave us a review on your podcast app. We would thoroughly appreciate it. We uh, we really would. But until then, we'll see you next week. And this has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
Top of the box and Brooks. Opportunity to get it out of his feet. It comes back to Lewis Cook. No room to shoot. Yes, there is. Lewis Cook! Podcast Network.